Hello and welcome to another episode of Made You Think. No, uh, no intro quotation this time. We're picking back up a little bit from our episode before this on, on Infinite Jest. As we said, we do at the end to talk about some of the fun fan theories and possible ways the book might have resolved itself, as we said we would do last time. So, Neil, we're, we're excited to hop back in here. I am very excited to go out on a limb on this episode and give all sorts <laughs> of crazy ideas that I think, he, and I have a feeling he meant for the book to be like that. Like undoubtedly, he wanted people to speculate and kind of think about it after they were done. I think that's part of the infinite nature of it. Yeah, I, I like the idea that we talked about last time that it's meant to be like an active read, right? It's like yeah. It's meant to take a certain amount of work to finish it and try to figure out what was going on. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work that mostly other people have done. I don't think any of these theories. <laughs> I think all other people have done. Yeah. <laughs> We've dug up from the recesses of the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously, spoilers, if you have not read the book, this is not going to make any sense to you. I, I can't even really say it's spoilers. It's just, this is going to sound ridiculous. Uh, if you have read the book, then maybe this will be fun. I, I'm really curious to see what the download and listen stats are going to be on this. Because I guess you could also say that if you have no intention of ever reading the book after listening to our discussion last week, then maybe this would be a fun episode. We we don't know. This is really, <laughs> it's just like a, Neil and I wanted to talk about this, so we figured, like, hey, we may as well turn it into another episode. Hey, this is the advantage of having a podcast. We can bother people and give them a new episode in their feed, whether or not they actually care about this topic. Yes. So, sorry, folks, but you're going to have to sit and listen to us. Or you can go to one of our older episodes and listen to something else. Those are your only choices. Yeah, those are your only choices. There are no other podcasts. <laughs> There's nothing else you can do with your time. Literally nothing. No, those are your options. But yes, yeah, so... I think we can just hop right into it. So I think still my my favorite or my favorite list of ideas about what might have happened is the one you sent me a couple of weeks ago. And I didn't realize it, but it's actually written by Aaron Schwartz or Schwartz. Oh, yeah, right. Yep. I realized that as I was sending it to you last time, but not the first time I came across it. Yeah. And so for anyone who doesn't know who Aaron Schwartz is, he... He's the he was an MIT student or graduate who downloaded all of those uh, like research files and then uploaded them to give them away for free on the internet and then got caught and was put in jail for it and ended up committing suicide while in jail. But he's sort of like widely considered one of the I don't know what's he most famous for. It's something programming related, right? Ah, uh, yes, but I don't want to make it up. Let me just Google him. Yeah, and for just being an all around smart dude. Yeah, I think he wrote quite a bit on his blog, too. Yeah. Let's see. American computer programmer, entrepreneur, writer, political organizer, and internet hacktivist. He was involved in the development of the RSS feed format. Oh, and he's a co-founder of Reddit. Yeah, well, that'll do it. That's... <laughs> okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so that's pretty important. Yeah. He was involved with Creative Commons. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of messed up that he got arrested for that. I mean, that's... I know. That was such a ridiculous case. You read about it, too. But anyway... That's a different podcast. Yeah, a different podcast. So he wrote up his summary of what he thinks happened. And it's it seems to be the one that a lot of people go off of, too. I don't know. We'll just like go through some of it, because I, I think this is kind of interesting. First, we should mention that the Wraith and the Ghost we kept talking about last time, like that is pretty obviously Hal's father the guy who made the entertainment 
and it sounds like the the theory is that his wraith, his ghost, was haunting people because something about all of the garbage and radiation dumped in the area where he was buried would have somehow resurrected his spirit. Uh, there, there's no actual science behind this stuff. It's just sort of like what the possible explanations might be. Yeah, and I think the other thing was that he could, and this was on Schwartz's uh, blog, I believe, but where he can read Hal's thoughts as when he's a wraith. Yeah. Was that in the book or was that just a, was that just a speculation? I don't remember because I don't think we ever get any. Actually, we don't even get confirmation that it's him, right? In the book. Do they ever explicitly say that? Yeah, because when the Wraith is talking to Gately, he's talking about how he made the entertainment so he could communicate with his kid, right? Like, it's pretty clearly Jim. You're right. Yes. But I don't think we ever get the sense that the Wraith can read Hal's thoughts, because I don't think there's ever anything told from the perspective of the Wraith. Yeah, I don't think there is either. Yeah. That Wraith part just took me so long to realize what was happening. (laughs) Well, yeah, and just like all the the weird stuff getting moved around ETA, right? Like that it's it's not somebody playing a prank. It's Jim's ghost doing it. But I guess it it, it ties in with the Hamlet theme because there is so many strong Hamlet illusions throughout the book. And it's like, all right, well, this this book needs a ghost, too. Yeah. (laughs) Check. (laughs) Check. Has ghost. But yeah, so it's jim basically says in the book that he created the entertainment he created infinite chest to draw Hal out right and uh to try to get Hal to like come out of his shell because for some reason jim has this perception that Hal is like completely unspeaking and silent there's like a weird section towards the beginning of the book where Hal's dad dresses up as a like a psychiatrist to interview Hal about why he's being so silent and Hal is like yelling at him, but Jim is acting like he can't hear him. And I guess we don't technically have confirmation on which side of that is true. Yeah, I don't think we do. Just like how in the beginning, right? Like in the very first chapter, like you, you're getting it from Hal's perspective and he's responding to the questions, but then the people who are interviewing him, they they don't hear his answers. They hear some weird like animal noise. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess there's a lot of that in the book, too. There's a lot of like unreliable narrators, right? Like where they're the the text might be telling you something and that's from someone's perspective, but you don't know if that's actually what's happening or if it's true. Yeah. Or they're they're getting things wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so it sounds like so there's also this strain throughout the book of this drug called DMZ, and the drug is also called Madame Psychosis, which is the name of Joelle, which is the woman who stars in Infinite Jest. And throughout the entire book, Hal and his friend Pemulus are talking about doing DMZ, but they never get around to doing it. And then it disappears towards the end of the book. It gets stolen. And part of Swartz's theory is that the Wraith is the one who steals the DMZ and then actually gives it to Hal via his toothbrush. Yeah. Because that's when Hal, it's like after Hal brushes his teeth in like page 860 or something, he starts acting weird where people think he's crying when he thinks he's speaking in a neutral tone. And so he starts losing his ability to communicate properly. And that might explain why he has so much trouble communicating in the beginning of the book when he's being interviewed. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the beginning of that. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis? I have not. Do you know what it is or no? No, it's just like a very short book. I think it's like 50 pages or something like more like a short story almost. I 
feel like that part of this came from Kafka <laughs> or like the the talking like he thinks he's talking normally, Hal thinks he's talking normally or speaking normally, but then everyone else is not hearing that. <laughs> yes. Um, like in the metamorphosis, there's a guy who's like a salesman and he just wakes up one morning to find himself inexplicably transformed into like a giant insect. But he doesn't feel like he's a giant. It's like he doesn't feel like he is that shape or whatever, but everybody else sees him that way. It's very interesting. It's like this is not visual, obviously, with how it's how when he speaks. So it's it's uh, sound and and uh, speech. But in the other case, it was his physical appearance. But there's so many parallels to that. I feel like you had to have read Metamorphosis before writing this. Yeah, maybe it, it. There's just like too many similarities of like there's these dialogues where Hal is like, oh, I'm speaking normally. And the other person's like, what is that sound you're making? Right. And it's very similar. <laughs> well, and it there's kind of like two levels of that, too, because the other thing uh, Swartz mentions in his theory is that Hal eating the mold early on in his life. Yeah. Which is mentioned a couple times in the book might have caused him to have some sort of like neurological disorder that the dmz was meant to cure except that prior to eating the mold he couldn't communicate post eating mold he could communicate but was kind of emotionless and stoic and then post dmz he can no longer communicate anymore but he suddenly has kind of emotional complexity again and that's why in the beginning of the book he's talking about how there's somebody in here who can feel things even though he can no longer communicate externally Right. So it's like internally he's alive, externally. I mean, he's alive, but he can't communicate those things. Right. And there's another factor, too, that uh, I don't think it's mentioned in the blog, but uh, the marijuana withdrawal. Yeah. Also seems to have played a role somehow in this whole thing. Like, it seems like maybe the I don't know, like exactly how it plays in, but it seemed like that was mentioned as a, as a factor also. Yeah. Which I had never heard of. I'd never heard of marijuana withdrawal before this, but yeah, the, the marijuana withdrawal thing is kind of weird because it, it plays a big role in the book, but I've really never heard of someone going through marijuana withdrawal. Yeah, it made me wonder if there was like a thing in the '90s or something that was like talked about as part of the dangers of marijuana or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> like reefer madness. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as I was reading. Like, is this some like reefer madness leftover? But uh, I don't know. I never actually googled that. I'm looking it up right now. Marijuana withdrawal symptoms and timeline. How to detox. I don't trust these sources. I could see insomnia being a thing, right? Like if you're used to taking it to like... Fall asleep. Yeah, definitely. I could see that, right? But like the other parts, I don't... Like I think he was saying he was having like too much saliva and there were like other weird things that he had mentioned or like he was never hungry. I guess maybe the hunger thing I could... I don't know. It just... I don't know. Marijuana withdrawal seems weird. Like, how much weed was he smoking? <laughs> yeah. Didn't even seem to be that much. No, it was like once a day or two. Once a day, like sneaking it, right? So. <laughs> all right. I don't trust all of these sites talking about marijuana withdrawal. They're all written by like old white ladies who probably <laughs> like don't want their kids watching, you know, <laughs> Futurama. Pineapple Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, if anybody here knows anything about marijuana withdrawal, I'm curious if that's a real thing. Yes. Anyway, that was that was definitely mentioned quite a bit in the book, and I think it was implied that that plus the DMZ played a like some type of confounding, not confounding, but synergistic role. Yeah, and messing with his head. Yeah, but it sounds like he 
has some sort of collapse playing tennis and then ends up in the hospital with Gately. Yep. And that's how they end up going out to dig up uh, Hal's father's head, which is alluded to twice. Once at the beginning of the book, really quickly, and then Gately has like a vision when he's in the hospital towards the end of the book of him and Hal and uh, the other guy, John Wayne going out and digging up the heads. So then there's like all this theory of how they might have ended up there. And it sounds like Hal probably ends up in the hospital with Gately. Joel is most likely there as well. And then they go out to dig up the head to try to get the anti-entertainment cartridge uh, with John Wayne, who is probably a member of, what did they say? The AFR? AFR. Yeah. Well, also John Wayne. Yeah, he was seems to be a plant for the AFR at the Academy anyway, like the entire time. Right. And so they go to try to dig up the head to get the master cartridge and the anti-entertainment, but it's gone. And so the theory is that Oren, Hal's older brother, was probably the one who took it. Yeah. And I think, how did he know that it was there? Did they ever mention that? Or was that ever part of the theory? Yeah. I don't know if that is explained. Well, he was dating... uh... He was dating Joelle, so he might have known that way. Yeah. That was my theory, was that he probably found out that way. And then there's all the weird stuff with Avril. (laughs) Is it time to get into that? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of weird theories with Avril, a.k.a. Hal and Oren and Mario's mom. So The moms. The moms. Yeah, that's what they call her. Yeah, where to start? So she is a very strange character. Um, The other thing that's very strange about her is apparently David Foster Wallace modeled her after his own mother, which is... I don't even want to go there. (laughs) That's very, very strange. But anyway, yeah, so she seems to potentially be an AFR person also, right? Or OUS. Oh, yes. Yeah, nobody's quite sure. That was how I interpreted it. Yeah. But she's one of she's a member of like one of the secret terrorist or intelligence organizations trying to get the intelligence. Yeah. And she had, I think, multiple, many different affairs during the process of the book yeah because she's having an affair with john wayne yeah one of the students yeah uh ct is it is it explicit that she has a she has a relationship with him yeah with tavis i think that's well it's pretty strongly implied yeah and they might be related right that's the other thing that people aren't sure are they half siblings or or cousins yeah or are they not blood like i think it hal thinks that they're not that they're not blood related but it didn't really say why he thought that it sounded like I got the impression that they were because that explains why Mario is so handicapped if he is actually CT's kid and not. But if he is the other, the other theory that also explains. It. <laughs> Do we even uh, want to go to the other theory? <laughs> well, I, I'm looking up because like their age groups are pretty close together. Oh yeah, how how far apart are they actually? Because Hal is the youngest, so I don't think there's any way Mario could be. Oren's son. Oh, Mario's not younger than Hal. I definitely missed that. <laughs> yeah, Mario. Mario's older. Okay, I definitely like in my head was thinking Mario's the youngest one. That makes more sense then. That it, that it's CT uh, as his father. All right, I, I'm on the I'm on the thing that you found. I think about. Uh, Have you found what their age differences are? I'm gonna look that up right now. I think some of it's implied somewhere. Okay, Oren is 26 at one point in time. Okay, I don't know if this, obviously this might change, but yeah, at one point in time, Oren was 26, Mario was 19, and Hal is 17. So yeah, Oren cannot be. Yeah, seven years old? Yeah, I don't think so. Doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Oh well, that was that was a it was a juicy theory while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> well, all all of the crazy theories are very entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> it's like our aquatic apes theory. Aquatic apes, exactly. <laughs> Except that one's legit, and a lot of these are not legit. <laughs> yeah, so the one that is not legit that we were just Googling to see, that was uh, I found on some forum that um, someone was speculating that Orin, the oldest brother, um, fathered Mario with his mom. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was a juicy theory. On the Orin having a relationship with Avril theory, though, I did re- read somewhere a theory that the hand model who is working with uh, whoever traps Orin at the end of the book. Yeah. That that was actually Avril. And Orin is just sort of role-playing her as another person. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. It seems like a stretch, though. It seems like a stretch, right? Like, that there was not really anywhere that they... I mean, I feel like that could have been made a lot more clear if it was the case. And he would have, I think... Unless he was trying like not to admit it to the audience, that's like something I saw on a on a forum. There was like an argument back and forth about that exact point. Like, is Luria Avril? And uh, I don't know. The part that was more convincing to me was that, like, obviously they were talking about the unreliable narrator thing. So they said maybe Orin is hiding that from the you know, like not saying that as the narrator. He doesn't want to say that Luria is his mom. Um, which, like, okay, I could see that, but I don't know. I don't find that to be convincing enough. Yeah, to drive that point home. But that said, like going even one step further, though, I think it is implied a few different places that they did have like a relationship, though, at least or like she may have like abused him as a child. Yeah, I think that that part seems a lot stronger than that. She was necessarily the one there at the end. Yeah, because he doesn't talk to her as as an adult. Like when he's an adult, he doesn't have any contact with his mother. Yeah. And he never goes to his father's funeral either. So there's like something weird. Yeah, there's something weird there, and uh, I don't know, there's a lot of stories in the book about uh, parents abusing their child. Right. So, I don't know, it's just like another another thing to kind of back that up, but again, it's, I don't think it's explicitly said, though. I think there's like one point where they say, I think Hal says he, Hal or Orin say they saw her in a car with someone and then write someone's name in the steam. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I did see somewhere that they said that could have been Orin in the car at that time. But I also don't buy that either. Because that would be like, again, they could have made that more explicit. I buy that being CT more than Orin. Yeah, that would make more sense. That's the hard thing with some of these theories is like, there are ones that make sense and help elucidate the plot. And then there are others that are just like, silly and fun. Yeah, that's true. One thing I haven't seen any like good theories on is why was... uh ghost jim moving stuff around in the tennis academy that's a good question i don't think they ever talked about that i haven't seen anything about that maybe we can look something up real quick i'm gonna google that hang on not seeing anything you find anything yeah i found something hang on i don't think it really gives a clear answer surprise surprise but (laughs) did you come across this blog yet yeah i didn't see anything in there yeah i don't think there's any answer it's like everyone agrees that he did and that he probably gave Hal the dmz via toothbrush but no clear explanation for why he was like messing with eta yeah so it was just for funsies (laughs) maybe just like make known that he was there or he was bored i have no idea yeah (laughs) question 
It's like, especially with the attaching the kid's bed to the ceiling or like moving it around the room, all of that stuff. Like that was kind of odd. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that was cool though about this one blog post though I just sent you, I guess you already saw it, but like why he uses the word wraith instead of ghost. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Well, it's just that like wraith. I think he was just trying to imply like, um, like it's not like a ghost that's like always there. Right. In the sense that, um, hold on, I'm going to find the passage he had here. Yeah, he said the Wraith explains to Don that it takes enormous effort for him to appear to Don. Wraiths by and this is from the book. Wraiths by and large exist, putting his arms out slowly and making little quotation mark finger wiggles as he said exist in a totally different Heisenbergian dimension of rate change and time passage. Therefore, the Wraith has to stand still for extremely long periods of time to appear at all to Don. So it's just kind of like this like alternate dimension kind of thing. As opposed to like like a ghost, which might always be kind of around but just invisible so it's like the wraith has to really try to be there so maybe i don't know maybe the furniture thing is just like a way to show that he's really trying to get al's attention maybe or something like that (laughs) i don't know yeah and then there's another part in this that was kind of relevant to hal which says um don seems to be able to see the wraith at all uh just because of his feverish dream state and all of this seems creepily reminiscent of the way that Hal moves in jerky and frightening ways at the beginning of the book so deep inside his own head that he's something of a wraith oh well there there was some speculation that Jim ends up possessing Hal ooh interesting where did I read that um yeah that basically Jim can oh yeah because there's also in in Aaron Swartz's summary there's some speculation that Jim possesses Orin as well which is why Orin is sending out the entertainment to the attache and the Berkeley film critics and all of those people yeah uh, who were all I think people who had not all not all of them but uh the attache at least had an affair with Avril right yeah, the attaché had an affair with Avril, and the Berkeley film critics were mean about Jim's movies. So, like, there was a personal reason for all of them to get it. Right. They were, like, his enemies. Yeah, yeah. I like the possession theory. It would explain why Hal was, like, acting so strangely, unable to behave. Maybe the, maybe the DMZ was a necessary means for the Wraith to, like, get inside of him? I don't know. Could be. Man, there was a second book here, or, like, a companion. I don't know. There was, like, a... There was another book here that... DFW could have written. Yeah. To like answer some of these. It wouldn't have been any fun if he did though, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we wouldn't be speculating, you know, however many years later. Exactly. It wouldn't have stuck around as an interesting point of conversation if he had explained it. I mean, he was alive for more than a decade after the book. So I wonder how many times he got these questions like in interviews and stuff. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm sure he eventually was just like, yeah, not 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 talking about it anymore. Not explaining it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you do even some of these. He might have just like left them ambiguous in some cases. Yeah, that's also possible. He might not yeah. have had a clear idea on some of them. It's hard to know what your headspace is like after writing something like this. It's like, did he map it all out and then just intentionally leave out this big section of it? Or did he? Because you have to know that people can come up with reasonable theories yes about things right like you need to have enough of a plan that people can do something with it but you also maybe don't want it so fixed that it's obvious right exactly and it's also not like a tv show where um like i've heard for lost for example did you ever watch that Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so like I've heard that in like that show had some twists and turns that were ambiguous because they didn't know if they were going to get renewed or not. Right. Especially after season 1. So like a TV show I think is harder to predict, right? It's like do you know if are you going to be there on for 7 seasons or 5 or 10, you know, like it's a little I mean you may have a plan going in, but I mean I'm sure you're cognizant of like okay, what if ratings aren't as good and we have to end it. So um I feel like on a TV show, it's more forgivable right, to have uh, some things. But in a book, like, I mean, DFW did not release this as like a series. And I mean, it was just one massive book that apparently had several hundred pages cut from it in the editing process. I saw that in one of the blogs. Oh, so it was longer. <laughs> yeah, I saw something on the oh, yeah, there's an essay on the differences between the first draft and the final yeah, I don't think it was edited in the sense that like his editor told him he couldn't do it. I think like he reduced. He it. cut it out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. All right. Let's see. What's another one? Oh, by the way, I think th- I was reading more about the CT thing as we were just talking. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty clear CT is uh, Mario's father. Yeah, it just makes the most sense. Yeah, and also like I forgot about how he would leave the room whenever Mario would come in. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, too. So he probably realized he was the father. Or he probably, I, I would say that meant that he knows he's the father. And he's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's kind of embarrassed by it, or... Hmm. Ooh, I found a thread. John Wayne and Avril conspiracy theories. Could be promising. Let me click on it. <laughs> <laughs> John Wayne is described on page 259 as coming from... Montcurf, Quebec, an asbestos mining town. <laughs> Is that a thing? Asbestos mining? Yeah, that sounds horrible. It, yeah, it doesn't sound pleasant. Wayne's father is described as an asbestos miner. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. It's apparently still a thing in Russia. Wow. There are a lot of people who think Avril and Luria are the same person. Yeah, that seems like an oddly common theory, right? Yeah, I definitely didn't get that when I was reading it, but... I didn't either, but and it would require some like seriously dishonest narration on Oren's part. Yeah, but still. Also, it seems like Oren didn't die at the end of the book. By the way, yeah, I don't think he did. He just got his like room one hundred and one treatment. Yeah, because I think it's like pretty clear he didn't because it says in the opening interview, uh, Hal says he has a brother in the NFL. Yeah, so that would mean in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not brother was in the NFL, so I guess yeah, that would pretty clearly indicate. Um, but yeah, the Luria thing, I just didn't think that. Like well, at least when I was reading, I didn't, I didn't think that. Um, did you get 1984 flashbacks when you were reading that last scene or the scene with the with Luria? Yeah, no, it's. I think it's very much meant to be like a play on 1984. Yeah, that's. I just like if there was a movie of this, I was just picturing it just being that scene. Yeah. Um, what do you think that mold was in the basement? Yeah, the mold was a good, like, because that was one thing with... Because it was a mold that feeds on molds, right? Or something? Yeah. And it sounds like it's probably... Wait, are we talking about the one in the basement of their house that Hal ate? Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like that theory that it did something to mess him up. And the point of the DMZ was to counteract that. But... I also liked, I saw a criticism of that theory that basically said that it undermines Hal's coming of age difficulties by making them purely 
somatic of eating some mold mm. and that it's kind of like undermining to the idea of like him trying to figure out how to communicate and have feelings. But for the amount of play it got, it seems like it had to have had some significance, right? Definitely. Beyond just showing how, beyond just being another example of the strong current of like anti-disgust and cleanliness throughout the book. Yeah. And well, and, and didn't Hal say something of like, call it something I ate in the first interview section? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. He said like, I have trouble expressing myself, call it something I ate. I think it was something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. And then he immediately tells the mold story. Right. I mean, he might not have been referring to the mold. He might have been referring to the DMZ that comes at the end of the book or, you know, not chronologically, but the end of the physical book. But um, I don't know. It just seemed to be implying that the mold had something to do with that. Yeah, I find it. It's got to be that like the mold did something to explain Hal's weirdness throughout the book and that. And also possibly like Jim's relationship with him. Because if Jim was creating all of those movies to like draw Hal out in some way to kind of like make him feel something. Yeah. Then creating the entertainment and the DMZ might have been like the last attempts on his part to like get Hal to feel something. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. It could have been some like weird developmental disorder thing because of the mold. I don't know. Yeah, that's also possible. But it doesn't seem like Jim is ever trying to get Hal to watch the entertainment. Yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, that was another theory, actually. Uh, did Hal watch the entertainment or part of it or something? Which I don't think I buy, but yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, it's... Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that one either, just because it's like with how ruined everyone gets from having watched it, I don't think that he would have endured it just because it was meant for him maybe i mean maybe that was maybe that was the goal of the entertainment yeah at least for Hal, right it just didn't it like worked too well on everyone else or something i don't know yeah i don't know i don't i doubt he watched it though it wouldn't have made sense for him to have watched it though because or two because he, how would he have gotten a copy like the copy in jim's head was gone right so he couldn't have used that one and the AFR doesn't seem to have distributed it unless maybe they do in the year of glad. And that's why subsidized time ends. And that's why they're going out trying to dig up the, the antidote to it. Right. Mm. And then when they're saying like, Oh, we're too late. It's like the entertainment is out and we're too late getting the antidote. So we can't do anything. And now people are dying because of it. Yeah. But then it seems like the world wouldn't be that normal in the first chapter. <laughs> Yeah, because it seemed very normal, right? Like, I mean, he was just having an interview. Yeah, he's just, like, applying to go to college. Yeah. Um, it's very strange. And I don't think I don't think that's a... I mean, I just saw that on one blog, but I don't think that's an actual theory that too many people have. Mm, yeah. Um, there was something I saw, and I'm trying to see which blog it was on, but it was uh, about Hal having internally self-synthesizing DMZ. Yeah, because of the mold. That one was odd too. Yeah, I mean the D, the the mold could have been there were like some LSD vibes with the mold and with DMZ as well obviously, but I don't know. Also, I kept reading initially, I kept reading DMZ as DMT and I was like, "Wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense." Yeah, that was always <laughs> what I thought at first when I read when I read it. 
I was like, wait a minute, this isn't what happened. This is not what it's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the self-synthesizing DMZ maybe was one, but I don't know. I mean, the whole mold eating another mold thing, did they ever say what DMZ was? Like, was it, it's not a mold, right? I mean, it, it was a something that... Well, I think it's supposed to be a psychedelic. Yes. Sounded like it was manufactured, so it probably wouldn't be a mushroom or anything like that. It'd be more like LSD. Yeah. Um, ooh, okay. There's a whole thread on the Volvo windshield. <laughs> <laughs> I love these forums. People get so into this. <laughs> There's like a four page thread on this. Um, oh yeah. I forgot about the whole thing that Oren thought Joel and, uh, what is it himself? That's what they call the dead. Yeah. Yeah. That Oren thought Joel and himself were lovers. Oh, right. Cause Oren's originally dating her. And then she starts working with him, and then it's unclear if they ever have a relationship. No, I think it's clear that they didn't. Well, yeah. Or I think it's clear to us, but it not, it's not made clear to Oren. Yeah, I think that's the right way of putting it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, it seems like page 288, somebody has a quote. And in that quote, it's pretty clear that you as the reader know that they were not in any kind of relationship but that Oren seemed to think so, that they were. Right. Maybe that's why he doesn't attend the funeral. Yeah, because he feels like Jim stole his far too beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. Which also, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, that's a whole nother question is, is she actually disfigured or is she actually just so beautiful that she needs to be covered up? Is that, uh, what is it, Medusa? Yeah, it's it's like that that movie that jim makes medusa versus the other woman and it's like the woman who's so ugly she'll kill you on sight versus the woman who's so beautiful she'll kill you on sight yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he doesn't really make that clear like is joelle disfigured because she there was the whole story of her mother i believe throwing acid at her yeah well throwing acid that accidentally hit her that accidentally hit Joel, right? Yeah, because I think her mom is throwing the acid at Joel's father. Right. And then he ducks and Joel is right behind him. Yes. Yeah. But it's unclear if that's a true story. Yes, because who was it? It was like Molly something, right? Was telling the story. Molly Notkin. Yeah. And she's very unreliable as a narrator. Or there, at least you're told that she's unreliable. Because <laughs> I think she was. What's her story? What's Molly's story? I think she's just there to add uh, context to Joel. Like, she's there to tell stories and probably also to add this layer of confusion since. Yeah, because everywhere I see Molly Notkin described, it's as unreliable. But I'm trying to figure out why she's considered unreliable. Damn, you could just do this for hours. Just like go down these forums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it seems to be that people who think that she is not trustworthy also are in the camp that Joel wasn't hit by acid. Okay. I don't think those things have to be mutually true, though. Yeah. And I could see how Joel might have started wearing the veil after filming Infinite Jest because she saw the effect that her beauty had on the viewers combined with whatever Jim did, you know, optically to create the movie, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he doesn't tell us what actually the movie was. 
But on the other hand, I'm very curious. <laughs> we get such weird descriptions. It's like all we know is that Joel and a man run around in circles in a revolving elevator entrance door and that Joel leans over a baby's crib and apologizes to the camera for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have any other descriptions of it besides no, that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So, uh, Wallace, they say, is like pulling off some kind of, someone, this is someone's theory, uh, is that he's pulling off some kind of like Schrodinger's cat <laughs> type oh. of situation here with her. Because like as long as the veil is on, she's both, you know, so beautiful and deformed. So beautiful and so deformed at the same time. I like that explanation. That's probably the most accurate one. It's just another one of those things where it's like, we don't get to know. Yeah. And it's also amazing that that uh, himself made a movie about that same kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. The Medusa one. That could be part of why it's so irresistible to keep watching it, right? Yeah. Hmm. Let's see. Also, the name Madam Psychosis is such such a good name. It's a great name. <laughs> I feel like that should be a band <laughs> if it's not already. How far did he get in The Pale King? Uh, I don't know. Wow, 636 pages. That's So he was halfway done. Yeah. <laughs> He had a long way to go. <laughs> huh. Uh, so he, but he basically finished a first draft. Oh, he did finish the first draft? Yeah. Before his suicide, he organized the manuscript and associated computer files in a place where they'd be found by his widow. Hmm. So if you read that book, you actually, it's like his, it's a completed book. It's not like partially done. Uh, yeah. It sounds like it's maybe a mostly, com- you know, probably largely unedited. Um, <laughs> like most of Wallace's work, the novel defies straightforward summary. Each <laughs> chapter stands almost alone, with text ranging from straight dialogues between coworkers about civics or cartography to snippets of the 1985 Illinois tax code to poignant sensory or character sketches. <laughs> Jeez, what's Pale King about? Like, do you know? Well, I guess it defies explanation. That's what it's about. yeah exactly yeah (laughs) no i mean uh, yeah i guess to get a better explanation than that you'd probably have to just read it yeah have you found yourself having difficulty explaining like somebody's like oh what's infinite jest about and you're just like uh i don't know like i put in my newsletter a few months ago as a recommendation i remember just like trying to write like a two to three sentence recommendation of it and i was like i can't i just wrote like I just wrote, you've probably heard of this book, something like that. I said, like, you've probably heard of this book. You Just check it out if it's interesting to you and stay tuned for an upcoming episode. Yeah, I, if I have to say something, I'll usually say it's about addiction and like living passively. Mm, that's a good, actually, the passively versus actively thing. That's a really good uh kind of bigger picture view on what the book is about. That feels like the closest thing to an accurate description, but... I do think that more than anything else, it's about itself, right? It's just about like <laughs> doing the work of trying to read it. Well, it's so bad though when you describe it that way, like to anybody, people will be like, "Why would I ever read that?" Yeah, it's like, what's a what's a marathon about? It's like, well, it's kind of about surviving it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great analogy, actually. Yeah, you don't run a marathon. If you if you compare running a marathon to like taking a walk, you know, in the park, it's going to seem ridiculous, right? Yeah. It's like so what's a marathon? It's like well, it's like a walk in the park except 
you do it till you are past your point of exhaustion and then you keep going. <laughs> it's like a walk in the park, but 10 times longer at twice the speed and people die doing it. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know, no one's died reading Infinite Jest, but yeah. maybe we're wrong. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has. Yeah. Do you have any other theories you want to? I'm just going through some more threads and seeing if there's anything that are that's interesting. Um, After doing these two episodes, the previous one and this episode, I actually don't think this can be made into a movie. Yeah, I really don't think it would do well as a movie. It wouldn't make sense. No. It'd be making a movie for the sake of making a movie more than anything. Yeah, like I think people would watch it. Like I think it would make money because probably there's people who... There's a lot of people who've heard of this book, obviously, but most people probably haven't read it. Right. So I could see the movie doing well, but I don't know. I don't think it would be good. Did you ever watch the Atlas Shrugged? Atlas Shrugged had a movie, right? Yeah, and it's well, they they did three movies, like they broke it into three parts, and they're awful. Oh, did you watch them? Yeah, they're really, really terrible. They're not definitely not a recommendation from Nat. Yeah, strong no. <laughs> like they were, they were so bad that like most of the actors quit between movies, and so like, are you serious? Yeah, the actors change between <laughs> like movies one, two, and three. It's really really just not good what was so bad about it was it like because I, I would imagine the plot isn't that hard to get on screen for atlas shrug no the plot's not hard it's just like it's done by a really low budget like no no high budget production company wants to do it so it's like the script is terrible the acting is terrible the shots are really bad and then like having to deal with ayn rand's bad dialogue doesn't really help things either yeah, so, so you probably have to redo the script in some way. Yeah, if they if you try to make it too close to the book, it's not going to be a good script because like right, she's good at some things, but realistic dialogue when she wants to espouse her philosophy is not one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> it just it feels like if that was done properly, it could be a really good movie. Because I was going to use that as the counterpoint. Like I was going to say that's a really long book, but I could see it being a good movie. If done correctly. Yeah, if it were done well, I think it would be a really good movie. Because there were some pretty epic scenes in that. Like, I could see it being done well. But then again, I guess it's also like a hot button political thing. And I don't know. Maybe people don't want to touch it. It'd be a good like six part HBO series or something, too. Yeah. Like a Netflix series. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Actually, I've been I've been hearing that this is okay. This is a true tangent. But I've been thinking that lately for a lot of whether it's books or even documentary type things. Thanks to Netflix and like all the digital platforms now, there's a lot more ability to be creative with the format. Like you're not stuck to just TV show or movie. Like you could do, as you said, six part HBO series or six part Netflix, six episode Netflix series or five episode series or 10 episodes. Like you're not stuck to the traditional like two formats or maybe three formats if you talk about a half hour show versus one hour show or something. Yeah, you can get really creative. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I feel like a multi-part series might be the way to go for that. If it was done with the right budget. Right. Like, if it was done with a Game of Thrones budget, like, that would be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) You could do a really good job with it. Like, if somebody could do a really good job with it, if, I guess, I don't know how this low-budget company was able to get the rights to it. Also, that's another question. That is a good question. Like, I don't know. Like, who owns the rights to the Atlas Shrug movie? Like, they must have sold it pretty cheap yeah for a low budget movie to take it but yeah i don't think if i was initially thinking i think i even said it in the last episode like it'd be a cool movie i reversed that opinion i 
actually hope it doesn't get made into a movie. Yeah, I don't think it would. I mean, I would, I would watch it. I would watch it, but it would probably not be good. Well, yeah, because a lot of the value or a lot of the greatness in it are the descriptions and like not much actually happens among the characters. Like there's some good dialogue throughout the book too, but a lot of the beauty is in the interiority and the way things are talked about uh, and the stuff outside the the conversations in the settings. So I think it would just be hard for it to have the same magic in a movie. That's for sure. Yeah. I also think that uh, so much of the book is like the, the magic of the book. Some of it is just in the overall format in the sense that like the years are ma- like, it would be very hard to get that same feeling into a movie, you know, like that, that kind of like chaos feeling you feel while reading this book. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure maybe some great cinematographer could figure it out to how to do that, but it just, you'd have to kind of make a whole new piece of content to make it work. Yeah. You'd have to be doing such fast cuts between scenes without like allowing them to calm down at all. Right. 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 That that chaotic stasis. Also, if this became a Netflix series, like DFW's Wraith would come and kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't like have a rule that it wasn't allowed to be turned into a movie. Yeah, I'm surprised somebody actually owns the movie rights yeah, to it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they're holding them so they can make sure it doesn't get made into a movie. That's possible. Yeah. I forget. The guy who owns it, he was one of the office writers, but I forget if he personally knew dfw because some of those guys did let's see forget the writer's name but let's see yeah so it's owned by oh it was actually sold by the publisher the movie rights Hmm. surprised he let the publisher do that oh dfw said in 97 i'm in the odd position of having taken the money for the film rights but hoping it doesn't get made and i'm feeling (laughs) confident it won't since the chances for an 18 hour movie is small unless they wanted to dispense catheters upon entering the theater (laughs) (laughs) that's great sounds about right (laughs) wait what in 1996 okay hold on uh I got to send you this whole article. This is just a, this is like a clickbaity kind of article, but there are some very good quotes in here by DFW about how he's never been on the internet. This is in 97. So I guess it's forgivable. Oh, it says a few months after that, he participated in an online chat room. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's going to get done. It just wouldn't work very well. Yeah. Wow. Infinite Jest is 577,608 words. (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of words wow it was released in february 96 and by march it was already in its sixth printing it's almost the same amount of words as atlas shrugged (laughs) atlas is slightly less but infinite chest is way harder to read than atlas oh yeah that's 100 percent true let's see what are the longest books in english (laughs) so we can pick our next book (laughs) yeah here we go oh my gosh all right where's the first one in english all right, we've got... Uh, that's like a 12-volume thing. All right, this one's 852. Uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, that's 800,000. That's, that's, oh, wow. that's in four volumes, though. It doesn't really count. That doesn't count. That's four books. Yeah, okay. Les Mis is 655. Atlas is 645. Oh, so Atlas is more than this. Atlas is longer. All right. Infinite Jest is 543. So, But yeah, Infinite Jest is way harder than Atlas. It's no competition. War and Peace is 587. We could do War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> see, you in, see you in six months. <laughs> yeah, right. 
that's all of the books over 500,000 words. There's like 20 of them. By the end of this podcast, infinite end of this podcast, we should have done all of them. No, I think that's a terrible idea. (laughs) That's a terrible idea. I like our next two. Our next two are good. Our next two are good. They're manageable. All right. Should we call this one? Yeah. Um, I'm just making sure there was nothing else as I'm browsing. I think I'm just about done, though. Sweet. Ooh, instead of Quebec, the location for these separatists was originally Sierra Leone. Oh, interesting. That would have been a very different book. Yeah, that would have been a very different book. It would have given a different feel to it, at least. Maybe not that different, but it would have been, it would have felt very different. Yeah. If you told me terrorists from Sierra Leone, that comes across as much more intimidating than terrorists from Quebec. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Quebec doesn't feel that intimidating, which I feel like adds to the humor of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like Canadian terrorists, really? You got these nice Canadian terrorists in wheelchairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's kind of it. I mean, we could keep speculating like all these forums. There's just so many random theories, but most of them, I think we've got the main ones. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this weird episode of made you think, obviously always appreciate any reviews on iTunes or if you share it with your friends, if you didn't enjoy this weird episode, uh, that's totally okay because it was a weird episode. And so you definitely shouldn't say bad things about the podcast because, uh, this is not normal for us. This is an experiment. Yeah, go listen to another normal episode or or hang out for another week or two when we'll have another normal episode up. And if, if you listen to these and you still haven't read the book, I don't know how you made it through the whole episode. Yeah. But <laughs> Props to you. Yeah, but uh, you can listen to our first episode on Infinite Jest, which is right before this. And that goes through more of the themes and some of the takeaways, too, I think, from the book, which we didn't talk about in this one. Probably a much better introduction to the book than this. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at the real Neil S. But I'm on Twitter as well at Nat Eliason. And you can always hit us up there. You can join the email list at madeyouthinkpodcast.com to find out about future releases and any other fun things we're doing. And aside from that, I think I think that's it. Yeah, I think uh, I think we already said tell your friends. You can also subscribe to the email list, which is probably where we'll keep you posted on all the cool new things we're going to be doing and future episodes and potentially even opportunities to ask us questions yes and interact with us so we to do, we'll do another q a episode at some point so yeah that's what i was thinking too so email list is good for that yeah so definitely join the email list if you haven't already and uh yeah you can let us know what you think on twitter i'm actually really curious to hear the feedback on this episode and yeah <laughs> if you liked it if you hated it um because i think we're considering doing some move like a movie episode about there's a couple different options, but so we can, we won't share what the movies are yet, but uh, they potentially have uh, discussions like this that are possible. So <laughs> if you like this, if you guys really enjoyed this, maybe we'll do that for the movie episode. If not, then uh, we might skip it next time. <laughs> Figure something else out. Yeah, definitely let us know what you think. Alrighty. And with that, we'll see you all next time. See you guys next time.